Don, this is our fourth time, man. We've talked uh, for City on Fire, The Force, Broken. I mean, I, I feel like that maybe the next time we get together for the next book, I should get you a jacket like they do on Saturday Night Live. I want that. I want that jacket. <laughs> <laughs> You're a glutton for punishment, man. I don't know what to tell you. I don't, I don't know if I've ever been invited anywhere for a fourth time. <laughs> the way that you put words together, I, I would just, it would be so fascinating to sit in the room with you. Or are you that type of person that you can't have anyone around you when the words are going to the page? Yeah, I don't like people around me yeah. when I'm working. Um, you know, there's already too many people in the room. Do you know what I mean? You know, I, 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 I spend all day with people who don't actually exist. Uh, and, uh, you know, so, yeah, that's that's plenty. I listen. I have written in public when I've had to. You know, yeah. there are times where I've written on planes and trains and and all that kind of thing. And I can I can usually, you know, zoom it out. You know, uh, but no, I, I prefer to, to be alone somewhere when I'm doing it. Yeah, it gets kind of uncomfortable because people want to have a conversation with you while you're deep in thought. And you kind of just give them that look without using your words because it's like, whoa, you just walked in on me in the bathroom. <laughs> it's kind of that way. But, you know, what what's more of an issue is that it's not that you're having a conversation with someone else in the room, but you're or, or you're deep in your own thoughts. It's that you're deep in conversation with these characters. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you're trying to see the world through those characters eyes in the moment and and use their language and their thought structure and that kind of thing. And, and so you're so focused doing that, you know, that there, there's not room to kind of step outside of it, you know. Having said that, I mean, I don't mind being interrupted. <laughs> I, I really don't because I, I'll be able to pick it right up, you know, afterward. So, you know. How, yeah. how difficult is it, though, to come back from a world of, well, you're hanging out with Danny all day and then you then you <laughs> come back to, you know, where we presently are today? Because I, I have to defrag. I've got, I've got to be able to break it down and, and, and kind of reacquaint myself with what's real. Definitely. Definitely. You know, it was more of an issue when I was writing these big drug tomes, you know, uh, which were so based in reality and the reality was really gruesome. And, mm. and harsh and, and and often sad, you know, and, and and extremely violent. And 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 so I really needed this this sort of, you know, decompression period, mm -hmm. you know, like like, you know, scuba divers coming up from the deep. You need to pause a little bit, you know, uh, uh, before you break the surface. Um, and and so I did, you know, I had these kind of routines of working out or or, you know, what I do, you know, when I was writing this trilogy is cook dinner. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You know, you know, I'd leave and then and then go back and do something normal, do something really mundane, but put a lot of care into it. You know, I'd, I'd put some jazz on and, you know, slavishly follow a recipe because <laughs> <laughs> I have no talent and. <laughs> And, you know, and make dinner for us and, and you know, and, and then ease back into a real world. But it can be difficult. You know, I mean, um, 
you know, in in my creative world, if you will, uh, people say what I want them to say. They do what I want them to do, or, or I delete them. You know, right. <laughs> eventually they're going to say what I want them to say. This is not true with Mrs. Winslow. You know. Oh my God, that it's so true. Because, but but what do you do in those situations? Let's say you go back to uh, Broken and and you reread a paragraph. Do you, do you make the sounds? It's like mm, I mm, I don't know. I, I shouldn't have gone that direction. You know, listen, Arrow, it, it it's amazing how you can be embarrassed <laughs> sitting by yourself yeah. in a room. I have literally blushed reading some of my stuff and going, oh, man, that's so bad. That is like, oh, I almost look around, you know, to anyone right, else. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Well, in the new book, Danny is not in a good place. I mean, there's a crime war in full motion here. And I mean, you really grab our imaginations. And I and I think that we're in this generation now to where that's exactly what we're looking for. We want to escape what's going on in the real world. And you take us yeah. there. Good. Thank you. Yeah. Look, you know, uh, this book opens 20 minutes after the last book um, ended. Wow. With the exception of like a very short, I think, page and a half prologue. Uh, and 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 that's what I wanted. I just wanted, you know, let's just jump right into the deep end. The guy's in big trouble. He's lost this crime war. Everybody and his dog is chasing him. You know, the feds, the mob, the cops. He's got a, a senile father who's rapidly approaching dementia, mm-hmm. uh, an infant son. He's just lost his wife to cancer. Uh, and, you know, and he's got this the remnants of his crew who are unruly and difficult to control. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's trying to find a place to put his feet. And so, you know, as a writer to me, uh, I, I just wanted to dump the reader directly into that deep water. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd be sitting there with the psychologist on, on call. Either that or be taking my blood pressure every five seconds if I were putting that on, on a page. Because, I mean, the way that you go in depth has got to affect you emotionally. Uh, you know, listen, I've been doing it a while, so I'm a little a little inured to it, you know, um, but but it does. It does. You know, it's you know, I was a, an investigator for years. Yes. And, and I knew I had to get out the day that I was reviewing autopsy photos of a woman who who'd been murdered by her husband. And it was lunchtime on a busy day headed to trial. And uh I was eating a ham sandwich in one hand and flipping through these photos with another, feeling nothing. Mm. It was just data. You know, the the issue was whether she died in a fire or been murdered and the fire had been set. Mm. Uh, And so I'm looking at the body, looking for those um, elements that that would, you know, tell you that answer and how to communicate that to a jury. Uh, and uh, and then all of a sudden it hit me. It, you, you don't feel a thing. Yep. You know, and, and then I knew, man, maybe it's time to, to get out of this. Mm. To be in that place of numb, though, I mean, you see a lot of comedians, they'll tell you that, you know, that a lot of their jokes come from that darkness. I mean, it, did you see it as fuel at the time? 
No, no, <laughs> no, no. I, I, you know, I mean, the, listen, I don't want to over dramatize this. You know, I'm not traumatized and I'm in, I'm in good shape. But, you know, when you do like investigative work, depending on what type it is, but if you're dealing with murder cases or, you know, child sexual abuse cases, and I drew three or four of those in a row. Um, and then later on, you know, doing research for the, the drug novels, for instance, you know, I spent three years researching a book called The Power of the Dog before I ever started typing. Wow. Yeah. Um, that's not the kind of stuff you bring home to your wife and kid. <laughs> you know, I mean, how was your day? Fine. Yeah. You know, or, or as an investigator, there were days when I would go to the airport to the private airfield and get on an airplane and I wouldn't know where we were going until we were in the air. Mm. Mm. You know, um, it was that level of, of confidentiality. So you, you can't come home, you know, <laughs> and have that dinner conversation of, of how was your day? Because uh, you, you can't say it, you know, um, or it's been, you know, unpleasant or gruesome. I'm not going to sit at the dinner table and say, yeah, I looked at autopsy photos all day. Yeah. And, you know, and this is why I know she was strangled, you know, and didn't die of asphyxiation from the smoke. Um, and so that that can get isolating, you know, and I think that that can get hard both for you and for your spouse. I don't know. How, boy, we got off on a real tangent here, but um, <laughs> we were having such a good time. <laughs> yeah, but, th- th- but this, this is the realism of what it's like to be an author, to take what you have done in the earlier chapters of your of your own personal life and then and then to grow from them and to use them in situations. Because when, when you have a book like City of Dreams and, and this stretches across the nation and it goes into Hollywood, I want to know that the writer has also lived this somehow, some way so that I can, you know, really put put my love and faith into those chapters. You know, it's it's amazing to me how little self-awareness one can have, right? Because if you had asked me, yeah, three years ago, um, you know, do, do you have any sort of parallels with Danny Ryan? I'd have instantly said no, or if they're very slight. You know, we, we both grew up in Rhode Island and we're both Catholic. And, you know, I knew a lot of Danny's growing up. Uh, it was only when I was in like the middle of, of writing the third book in this trilogy, uh, which in which I've finished, by the way, that, that I realized all the parallels. Mm-hmm. You know, Danny, Danny is forced to leave Rhode Island. Uh, I wasn't forced to leave Rhode Island except by sort of economics, you know, but I left when I was 17 because there was nothing there for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Danny wanders the country trying to find a place to put his feet for his family. I wandered the world for decades, um, you know, sometimes with with my wife and child, uh, trying to find a little success and a little stability, just trying to make a living, you know. And, you know, I'm looking at this book, which is about Danny's wandering years. Uh, boy, the, then the parallels just really struck me, you know. Mm. When you're writing about the underground, how exact do you have to be? I mean, I mean, what kind of research goes into this that where you it's it's like boom, boom, pow? Or is it, OK, I'm going to design this world. I'm going to paint this picture for my readers. I know who my readers are. I know what they want. It's got to be this way. Uh, that's a really complicated question. It's going to take me a few seconds to unravel <laughs> it for you. Um, look, uh, we let's say crime fiction writers have a deal with the reader an unwritten unspoken contract right that 
we're going to take them into a world that they probably couldn't otherwise enter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so my contract with the readers, I've got to get that world right. Okay. That, that everything has to be at least plausible and the details have to be correct. Otherwise, I'm breaking that contract. I'm cheating that reader. I'm not giving them what was promised. Okay. So, um, you know, take that very, very seriously. In, in the case of the, the drug cartels, I was trying to tell the real story of, of what happened in Mexico and why and all of that. And so in many ways, it was sort of a documentary. You know, I had a, at one point a 157-page single-space document that was just a chronology, right, mm-hmm. following every event, you know, that I could discern um, related to drugs in Mexico over the course of X number of years. And, and that became sort of a roadmap for the book. In this case, in the case of, of what's being called, I guess, the City Trilogy, the Danny Ryan story, mm-hmm. much different because what I set out to do was retell the story of the Aeneid and the Odyssey and the Iliad and certain Greek tragic dramas. I took online college courses, entire semesters on, you know, I did a semester on the Iliad, a semester on the Odyssey, um, a semester on Greek mythology, the Aeneid, all of that, and read books about the classics so that I, that I felt comfortable in that world as well. I don't know if that's answering the question that you asked me, but, you know. Oh, but, oh, yeah. oh, but it is. Try again it, if it didn't, you know. It, it does It does answer the question because, come on, we, you and I have both met people that, that want to be writers or claim to be writers that don't do the grunt. They don't They don't put in the, the, the pain and the sweat that it takes to really bring a, a great story together. You know, they, they, they hear it, they feel it, they write it. Okay, it must be brilliant. Why am I failing? And, and, and it's people like yourself that are saying, no, you're going to have to work for it, man. Even after yeah. all of these books I've got, I still work mm. for it. Yeah. But listen, here's the thing. I love the work. Um, (laughs) I love researching. I love researching to a flaw, by the way, because I I would tend to research, you know, and then forget to write the book. (laughs) Because you, you learn one thing, but the thing you learn prompts 20 more questions. Right. And and so you get into this, you know, sort of endless chasing down. And at some point you have to say, no, I know enough. But you never know what you don't know until you actually start writing, you know, and and your character takes a left on a certain road. And all of a sudden you don't know where that left is leading. You know, and then you have to find out. Oh my God, I love those moments. So I, I do. I call, yeah. I call those wine glass moments where you sit there, you, you could be sipping oh, yeah. on wine, and all of a sudden you go, "Ah, just do it, just do it. Let's find out where it's going to go. We can always erase it." Yeah, well, that's the great thing. It's not like you have a kid on an operating table in an emergency room, you know. <laughs> Right. We can make mistakes and God knows we do, uh, you know, and, and then go back and correct them. <laughs> so, so when someone like Stephen King's Stephen King gives you that big kudo, do, do, oh my God. Do, do you embrace it or do you say, oh, God, I don't know if I needed that right now, but but I'm, I'm, I'm going to store it for one of those days when when I when I need an up. I'll, I'll wait to, uh, you know, celebrate it. Um, listen, when someone like Stephen King, who is as great a human being as he is a writer. So that's really great, right? 
um, gives you that kind of compliment, man. It is so humbling. Um, it just, you know, it, it, it almost literally takes my breath away. Yeah. 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 So now as that writer, you know that even though we're talking about City of Dreams today, writers are always, you know, we always say in the can. What do you what do you have in the can or can you talk about it? Yeah, I'll talk about it. I've got the third book in the can. Good. <laughs> you know, where where Danny goes next. Uh, I, I finished it. Uh, and it's just uh, to mix metaphors. It's just on the runway waiting its turn to take off. You know. So how do you, how do you keep it a big secret? I, I you can't tell me something because I'm gonna go tell somebody else something. And you know, and and it's like, but I mean, as as a creative mind, how do you keep it inside as long as you do? And then when it's book release time, boom, boom, let's talk about it. You know, I I spent a good part of my life keeping secrets. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I'm literally a professional at it. Um, and uh, you know, listen, I, in in when I existed in that world professionally, you you specialize in compartmentalization. That's a word. And uh, you you just put these things in a certain part of your brain, and you only access it at certain times. Yeah. You know. So, uh, you know, I spent a good part of my life walking around with a lot of secrets. Mm. Um, still, you know, there you don't talk about, you know, details of, of cases and that kind of thing. And, and you put it away. And so, it, you know, it's it's really relatively easy. You know, not doing something is always easier than doing something. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> you got to come back to this show anytime in the future. You know that the door is always open for you, sir. Man, invite me anytime. I'll come on. You know, it's it's always it's always a great time. And if you invite me back for a fifth time, I, I <laughs> you want I'd jacket. suggest some some therapy or some counseling for you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and find out what's wrong and what what this streak of masochism is. But uh, beyond that, yeah, anytime, man. You know, I, I don't have to have a book out. Just, you know, get a hold of me and you know how to reach out to me. And I'd yep. love to come. Excellent. No worries. Well, you be brilliant today, okay, sir? I'm going to try. You too. Okay. We'll see how it goes. All right, man. Thank you. All right. Okay.